in the Lord. It is good to be with you here on this Sunday morning. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you. Just by way of shout out, I want to uh, let you know that my good friend and brother, Pastor um, Alita and Bo Burns, are in their new church building. I believe the address is 52 Reeb. Uh, if you're out and about and you're looking for a place to go, you won't find a finer place than them. They're at uh, Greater Glory Empowerment Center, their new facility, 52 Reeb. They're having a, a wonderful time there. So if you are looking for a place to go and you're that part of the city, I encourage you to go out and get a touch from the Lord uh, and celebrate the gift of God with them. Uh, I know they're excited and we're excited for them, amen. If you've been paying attention to the, the news, um, I believe that we all know that we are right now on the sidelines of a war that is raging uh, in Israel. And so two weeks ago, I, I started a sermon down in Ironton, Ohio at uh, New Jerusalem Christian Center uh, where the pastor is uh, Bishop Isaac Glover. And God imparted a word with me there that I want to finish today. Um, so if you did not get to see the broadcast two weeks ago, I encourage you, it's on our uh, Facebook page, uh, to please go out and take a look at that. And I want to finish it today because it's, it's really important that we as believers understand what we're seeing naturally, which, as we understand Scripture, is the manifestation of the warfare that's going on spiritually. But that warfare is not just isolated in Israel. And I want you to pay attention because I believe that these are the things that we were to see before the coming of the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you now look at TikTok or uh, Instagram or listen to different preachers across the globe, you'll see more and more of them are teaching and pointing to the fact that Scripture is manifesting right before our eyes. No, this isn't the first war that Israel's been in. But there's something different and particular and even peculiar about this current war. So you have to really pay attention to the fact pattern and see what's happening. We see the boldness of our enemy. You see, there's coming a time when there has to be the introduction of Antichrist. And I believe that the precursor to the Antichrist has been vibrant in our society. Even here in America, you can see the spirit of Antichrist everywhere. It's important that we understand what's going on because these are the things that when we recognize them, the, the word of God tells us to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. Jesus is getting ready to come and bring his children home. The dispensation, the season of grace upon the earth is at the brink of being removed. No longer is it he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then it doesn't seem like he's coming. We're still waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled. When you look at what's happening, one of the things in scripture that uh, prophetically is spoken about the war against Israel is a multifaceted, multi-front war, a war from the south and a war from the north. And we know that uh, Hamas, which... Um, again, if you've been listening to any of your uh, 
you know, preachers or teachers or Bible expositors uh, will tell you the word Hamas itself is associated with yeah, evil and violence uh, in the earth. And uh, it's even used in the Bible in the original language, Hamas, in reference to the evil that existed, the violence that existed on the earth uh, before the flood. And we have to recognize what's happening in the atrocity. It was said, uh, I heard this said uh, by a family member of a Holocaust survivor who grew up listening to the stories of Holocaust that their family members had endured in the um, internment camps of the uh, Germans. And any, uh, I remember my wife and I, we went to Washington, D.C. on a vacation and we went into and spent uh, almost a day inside and you still couldn't really see and, and grasp it all. But we were inside the memorial that dealt with the Holocaust and what uh, our brothers and sisters, the Jewish people endured. And let me tell you, it's heart gripping. And I was listening to this interview, and this is a family member who heard of the atrocities from their families that survived the Holocaust. And the one thought was, wow, we, it's horrible as that was, I can't see us ever having to endure something like that again. And yet here we are, and according to her statement, they're enduring now something worse in this initial attack of Hamas against uh, Israel. Some of the atrocities that are being committed, what we, things we would call war crimes. Evil, violence is being released against our brothers and sisters, against God's chosen people. The Bible declares that if uh, we would do anything, pray for Israel. So if you're not praying for Israel, pray for them because those that bless Israel will be blessed and those that curse Israel will be cursed. And this is the word of God to Abraham, the father of Israel, the father of us all. I encourage you, people of God, pay attention to what is happening because we are in the middle of a war. Now, America may be sitting on the sideline, as it were, right now, but we are in the middle of a war. And one of the things that the Bible talks about is a million-plus man uh, military that is going to move towards um, Israel. And one of the things that was said, again, you have to pay attention to what's going on. One of the things that was said by a military um, strategist that they were interviewing, uh, they, they said that the Iron Dome, which is this um, missile protection uh, technology that Israel has that allows them to shoot missiles up at other missiles that are coming in, um, has been doing a good job. However, it has a weakness in that it can be overwhelmed. One of the things the Bible talks about is nations, a coalition of nations, Gog and Magog, which we know are Russia and Iran, and uh, other nations coming together to come against uh, Israel because the belief is the only way to destroy or beat Israel is by overwhelming force. And Israel has called its resources together and they are uh, beginning to fight Hamas on the south and they're looking, uh, they're engaged in skirmishes on the north with Hezbollah 
and uh, you know America standing on the sideline we put our battle groups uh, in the Mediterranean Sea and we're engaged in uh, some uh, types of sorties and depending on which uh, uh, you know news sources you're listening to you'll find that um, there has been some minor engagement by the uh, United States military uh, not on land but uh, shooting down some missiles we're standing on the brink of the return of Jesus. Now we know that one of the things that we were to look for according to scripture was the drying up of the Euphrates. Well, people of God, the Euphrates River, this river that's been here forever is drying up. And the purpose of the drying up is so that this coalition of military force has an, a direct path by which they can cross to come against Israel for the sole purpose to overwhelm. One of the strategists was talking about the plan uh, that they have somehow unearthed of Hamas, and that was to bring multiple nations together uh, to come to bear against Israel. And even though they initiated things, the expectation is that even though these other nations have yet to engage, they're pulling for them to engage. And behind it is uh, Iran pushing and pushing and pushing, fueling and fueling and fueling with the sense that they're hoping they can trap the military, uh, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, in the southern part of Gaza to utterly destroy them. But the Bible also says something wonderful, that when all of this power comes against Israel, when all of this power, all of this might comes against Israel, God is going to work miracles of salvation for them. And he's going to destroy their enemies. And we understand that once this takes place, uh, as we understand scripture and, and believe scripture, there'll be the calling away of the church and then the introduction of the Antichrist who will set up rule in the earth for seven years. People of God, pay attention to what is going on around you. We are at the brink of us going home. Our redemption is so vitally close. We are in the middle of a war. Now, while we're not standing uh, on the ground in Israel, we are engaged in the spiritual battle that exists and rages for the believer, which is why the Bible refers to the believer as a soldier, a Christian soldier. A lot of the references, and some people say that Paul referenced soldiers because he was constantly around soldiers because soldiers were involved in the imprisonment of people and he was constantly being imprisoned for teaching and preaching the gospel. But I believe that there's, there's something that God wants us to understand and that is we are in a fight. And we said two weeks ago in Ironton that when you realize you're in a fight, you have to activate resources necessary to bring you through the fight. And the one way to activate resources naturally, if the, if the president wants to go to war and wants to um, you know, use the military here in America, he has to uh, petition Congress 
to make a declaration of war because in the declaration of war is the release of the resources necessary to fulfill the mission that is assigned to the military to be successful and victorious in the battle that they are raging. We as believers must understand, and this is why this sermon is titled, We Declare War, that to activate the resources of the fight that we are in, we have to first recognize that we are in a fight and then secondly declare war against our enemies. Too many believers are, are being uh, destroyed or are hiding, sitting back, refusing to engage in a war and being slaughtered spiritually because they simply resist to recognize the fight that they're in. So the question really for the believers is would, would anyone live the life of a Christian soldier? And if you would, if the answer is yes, then you ought to be praying for faith. You see, faith, it's the gift of God and a gift which those who ask shall never ask in vain. You must believe before you can ever do. If men do nothing in uh, their religious walk, it is because they do not believe. Faith is the first step toward heaven. Would anyone fight the fight of a Christian soldier successfully and prosperously? Prosperously may be the question. And if you are and you believe you can, then the response for you in your life, your Christian journey, should be to continually pray for the increase of faith. Let him abide in Christ, get closer to Christ, tighten your hold on Christ every day that you live. Your daily prayer should be that of the disciples. What did the, the, the disciples pray? Well, if you look in the book of Luke in the 17th chapter in the fifth verse, you'll find that the prayer of the disciples was, Lord, increase my faith. You have to watch jealously over your faith if you, if you have any faith at all. It's the citadel of the Christian character on which the safety of the whole fortress upon which you dwell depends. It is the point which the devil loves to attack. Uh, all lies at his mercy if faith is ever overthrown in your temple. Here, if we love life, we must especially stand on our guard. I had said a lot of things uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's important that I get these few things that I have left to say in regard to this warfare that we're fighting across. I have to just pause for the cause and encourage you yet again, go back, find it on our Facebook page. We declare war, preaching down in Ironton. And take a listen to the first part of this sermon. It's vital to your success as a believer in the time in which we are living. But the last thing that I have to say is this. True Christianity is always a fight. And it's a good fight. We can just stop talking about being holy if we're not ready to fight. You see, the fight that I'm talking about is not an ordinary fight. But it is a good fight. Now, I know that good seems to be a curious word to apply to any level of fighting or warfare, but all worldly war is more or less evil. 
No doubt it is an absolute necessity in many cases to procure the liberty of nations to prevent the weak from being trampled down by the strong, but still at its core, it's evil. It entails an awful amount of bloodshed and suffering and loss and many times on both sides of the aisle. It hurries into eternity migrants who are completely unprepared for their transition into eternity. It calls forth the worst passions of man. It causes enormous waste and destruction of property. It fills peaceful homes with mourning widows and uh, orphans. It, it spreads far and wide poverty and taxation and national distress. It disarranges all the order of society itself. It even interrupts the work of the gospel and the growth of the kingdom of God. In short, war is an immense and incalculable evil and every praying man should cry night and day, give peace in our times. And yet there is one warfare which is emphatically good. There is one fight in which there is no evil at all. That warfare is the Christian warfare. That fight is the fight for your soul. What are the reasons why the Christian fight is a good fight? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Thank you for sharing your uh, pondering. What are the points in which this warfare is superior to the warfare of the world? Well, let's take a moment to examine this conundrum and, and open it up in order that we might understand because this is too dire a truth to pass by and leave it unnoticed. I, I want no one to begin the life of a Christian soldier without counting first the cost. I would not keep back from anyone that if he would be holy and see the Lord, he must fight and, and that the Christian fight, though spiritual, is real and it is severe. The good fight, the Christian fight, it requires courage. It requires boldness and you must persevere. But I want each of you here today to know that there is an abundant encouragement if you will only just begin the fight. The scripture does not call the Christian fight uh, a good fight without reason and without cause. Let me try to show you what I mean. The Christian fight is, is good because it's fought under the best general. The leader and commander of all believers is our divine savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, a savior of perfect wisdom, perfect and infinite love and almighty power. The captain of our salvation never fails to lead every soldier into victory. Our captain, our general never makes any useless movement, never errors in judgment, never commits any mistake. His eye is on every follower, from the greatest of them even unto the least. The humblest servant in his army is never forgotten. The weakest and most sickly is cared for, remembered, and kept unto salvation. The souls whom he has purchased and redeemed with his own blood are far too precious to be wasted and thrown away. Surely this is a good fight. The Christian's fight is good because it's fought with the best of helps. Weak as each believer is within themselves, Holy Ghost dwells in them and their body becomes the temple for Holy Ghost. 
chosen by God the Father, washed in the blood of the Son, renewed by the Spirit. You do not go into warfare at your own charge and you're never alone. God in the presence of Holy Ghost in you daily teaches you, leads you, guides you, and directs you. God the Father guards uh, you by his mighty power. God the Son intercedes for you every moment like Moses on the mount while he is fighting in the valley below. A, a threefold cord like this can never be broken. Our daily provisions and supplies also will never fail. Our commissary is never empty. Our bread and water are sure. Weak as we seem in ourselves like a worm, we are strong in the Lord to do great exploits. Surely this is good. The Christian fight is a good fight because it's fought with the best of promises. As a matter of fact, to every believer belongs exceeding great and precious promises. All yea and amen in Christ. Promises sure to be fulfilled because they are made by the one who cannot lie and has power as well as will to keep his word. Sin shall not have dominion over you. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He that has begun a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the floods, they shall not overflow thee. My sheep shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. Him that have come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus these are but a few of the promises of God for the Christian soldier you see words like these are worth their weight in gold in my own secular employment I depend upon the promise that we all made to each other that no matter what is going on if I call for help help will only be moments away what a feeling to know that when I am in trouble I just need to hold on because my help is coming yet all such promises are as nothing compared to the rich treasure that believers hold in the eternal promises of God that are founded upon his word which shall never lie surely this is a good fight the Christian's fight is a good fight because it's fought with the best of issues and results no doubt it's a war in which there are tremendous struggles and agonizing conflicts and wounds and bruises and fastings and fatigue. But still, every believer without exception is more than a conqueror through him that loved him. No soldiers of Christ are ever lost, missing, or left dead on the battlefield. No mourning will ever need to be put on and no tears to be shed for either private or officer in the army of Christ. The, the muster, uh, the roll call when the last evening comes will be found precisely the same that it was in the morning. Many a mighty marine muster and march as a magnificent body of men into battle but many of these heroes laid their bones in a foreign grave and never saw their home again far different shall be the arrival of the Christian army in the city which hath foundations whose builder is the maker and is God 
No one shall be found lacking. The words of our great captain shall be found true of them which thou hast given me. I lost none. Surely this is good. The Christian's fight is good because it does good to the soul of him that engages in a fight. All other wars have a bad and lowering and demoralizing tendency. They call forth the worst passions of the human mind. They harden the, con the conscience and they sap the foundations of religion and morality. The Christian warfare alone tends to call forth the best things that are left in man. It promotes humility and charity. It lessens selfishness and worldliness. It, it induces men to set their affections on the things above and not the things beneath the old the sick the dying are never known to repent of fighting the battle of the Lord against the sin against the world and against the devil their only regret is that they did not begin to save and serve Christ long before they did surely this is good a Christian's fight is a good fight because it does uh, uh, go does good in the world you see, every other war has a devastating and ravaging and injurious effect upon the world. The march of an enemy through a land is an awful scourge to the inhabitants in that land. And wherever it goes to, it ends up impoverishing and causing waste. It does harm, injury to people and property, emotions and morals invariably accompanies it. Far different are the effects that are produced by the Christian soldier as they move throughout the world. Wherever they live, they are a blessing. They raise the standards of religion and morality they invariably check the progress of drunkenness and extravagance and dishonesty even their enemies are obliged to respect them go where you please you will rarely find that the barracks and the garrisons do good to the neighborhood but go where you please you will find that the presence of a few true Christian soldiers is a blessing surely this is good finally the Christian fight is a good fight because it ends in glorious reward for all who will fight in it. Who can tell the wages that Christ will pay to all his faithful people? Who can estimate the good things that our divine captain has laid up for those who confess him before men? A grateful country can give to her successful uh, warriors medals and pensions and honors and titles, but it can give nothing that will last and endure forever. Nothing that can be carried beyond the grave. Better, far better, is the position of him who fights under the banner of Christ uh, against sin, against the world, and against the devil. He or she may get little praise of man while they yet live and go down to the grave with little honor but he shall have that which is far better because it is far more enduring he shall according to the word of God be crowned with a crown of glory that fadeth not away surely this is a good fight we ought to just settle it in our minds that the Christian fight is a good fight really good truly good emphatically good we see only part of it yet we see the struggle but we don't see the end we see the campaign 
but we don't see the reward. We see the cross, but not the crown. We see a few humble, broken-spirited, penitent, praying people that are enduring hardships and despised by the world, but we see not the hand of God over them, the face of God smiling on them, the kingdom of glory prepared for them. These things are yet to be revealed. Let us not judge by appearances alone. There are more good things about the Christian warfare than we can see in the natural now. Let me just conclude this whole thing with a few words of the practical application of everything that I've said two weeks ago and today. In this season, the world seems more focused on little else but the battle and the fighting. Surely in times like these, a minister may fairly call on men to remember their spiritual warfare. Well, let me say a few parting words to you today about the great fight of your soul. It may be you are struggling hard for the rewards of this world. Perhaps you are uh, straining uh, with every nerve to obtain money or place or power or pleasure. If that be your case, uh, take care. You are sowing a crop of bitter disappointment. Unless you mind what you are about, uh, your, your latter end will be to lie down in sorrow. Thousands have trodden the path you are pursuing and have woke too late to find it in uh, ending in misery and eternal ruin. They have fought hard for wealth and honor and office and promotion and turned their backs on God and Christ and heaven and the world that is to come. The millennial reign of Christ, the kingdom of God and what has their end been? Often, far too often they have found out that their whole life has been a grand mistake. They've tasted but uh, bitterness and had uh, bitter experience uh, and the feelings of uh, a dying statesman who cries aloud in his last hours the battle is fought the battle is fought but the victory was never won for our own happiness sake resolve for yourself this day to join the Lord's side Shake off your past carelessness and unbelief. Come out from the ways of a thoughtless and unreasoning world. Take up your cross and become a good soldier of Christ. Fight the good fight of faith that you may be happy as well as safe. Think what the children of this world will often do for liberty without any religious principle. Remember how Greeks and Romans have endured the loss of all things and even life itself rather than bend their necks to a foreign power. Power. Let their example provoke you uh, to emulation. If men can do so much for a corruptible crown, how much more should you do for one which is incorruptible and fadeth not away? Awake to a sense of the misery of being a slave for life and happiness and liberty. Arise and fight. Fear not to begin and enlist under the banner of Christ. The great captain of your salvation rejects nothing 
none that come into him. Like King David in the cave of Abdomen, uh, he is ready to receive all who apply to him. Whoever unworthy they may be or feel themselves to be, none who, will, uh, who repent and believe are too bad to be enrolled in the ranks of the army of the Lord. All who come to him by faith are admitted, clothed, armed, trained, and finally led on to complete victory. Fear not to begin this very day. There is yet room for you in the army of the Lord. Don't be afraid to go on fighting. Once you enlist, you will be prepared for battle. The more thorough and wholehearted you are as a soldier, the more comfortable you will find yourself even in the middle of war. No doubt you will often meet with trouble and fatigue and hard fighting, but before your warfare is accomplished, you will see great things of God. But let none of these things move you, because greater is he that is in you than all that be against you. Everlasting liberty or everlasting captivity are the alternatives that stand before you today. Choose liberty and fight to the last. It may be you know something of Christian warfare, but you've found yourself to be tired. Maybe you're a proved soldier already. If that's your case, accept a parting word of advice and encouragement from a fellow soldier. Let me even speak to myself as well as I speak to you today. Let us strip our minds of the things not of God. Let us stir up our minds by way of remembrance. There are some things which we cannot remember too well. Let us remember that if we would fight successfully, we must put on the whole armor of God and never lay it aside until the day we die. Not a single piece of the armor can be dispensed with. The girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of hope, each and every piece are all needful. Not a single day can we dispense with any part of this armor. Well, uh, says an old veteran in Christ's army who died over 200 years ago, in heaven we shall appear, not in armor, but in robes of glory. But here our arms are to be worn night and day. We must walk, work, sleep in our armor, else we are not true soldiers of Christ. Let us remember the solemn words of an inspired warrior who went to his rest over 1,800 years ago where he declared, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 2 Timothy 2 and 4. May we never forget that. Let us remember that some have seen good soldiers for a little season and talk loudly of what they would do and yet turn back disgracefully when the day of battle came. Let us never forget Balaam and Judas and Demas and Lot's wife. Whatever we are and however weak we may be, let us be real. Let us be genuine. Let us be true. Let us be sincere. Let us remember that the eye of our loving Savior is 
is upon us morning, noon, and night. He will never suffer us to be tempted above that in which we are able to bear. He can be touched with every feeling of our infirmity for he suffered himself being tempted. He knows what battles are. He's engaged in conflict for he himself was assaulted by the prince of this world. And having such a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. Let us remember that thousands of soldiers before us have fought the same battle that we are fighting and come off more than conquerors through him that loved them. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And so also may we, through the power of their testimony, Christ's arm is quite as strong as it's ever been. And Christ's heart is just as loving as it's ever been. He that saved men and women before us in one who never changed changes he is able to save to the uttermost uh, all who come unto God by him then let us cast doubt uh, and fears away let us follow them who through faith and patience inherit the promises and are waiting for us to finally join them and finally let us remember that the time is short and the coming of the Lord is at hand there are a few more battles and then the last trump shall sound and the prince of peace shall come to reign on a renewed earth a few more struggles and conflicts and then we shall bid an eternal goodbye to warfare and to sin and to sorrow and to death then let us go on and fight on to the last and never surrender thus says the captain of our salvation he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son Revelations 21 and 7 check the text let me conclude all with the words of John Bunyan in one of the most beautiful parts of Pilgrim's Progress. He's describing the end of one of his best and holiest pilgrims. And he declared, after this, it was noised abroad that Mr. Valiant for truth was sent for by a summons by the same party as the others. And he had his word for a token that the summons was true. The pitcher was broken at the fountain. This taken from Ecclesiastes 12 and 6. When he understood it, he called for his friends and told them of it. Then said he, I am going to my father's house. And though with great difficulty I have got hither, yet now I do, not I do not repent me of all the troubles that I have been at to arrive where I am now. My sword I give to him that shall succeed me in my pilgrimage and my courage and skill to him that can get it. My marks and scars I carry with me to be a witness for me that I have fought his battles who will now be my rewarder when the day that he must go home was come many accompanied him to the riverside into which as he went down he said oh death where is thy sting and as he went down deeper he cried oh grave where is thy victory so he passed over and all the trumpets sounded for him on the other side 
May our end be like this. May we never forget that without fighting, there can be no holiness while we live and no crown of glory when we die. And there will never be holiness if we do not fight. Holiness is a fight. This is why you are called to be a Christian soldier. Fight the good fight of faith and enjoy the benefits of the Lord. For this is the eternal victory we have in him. Think not for a moment that you're not engaged in a fight. Because you are. But the promise of God is that he will keep you and bring you to a victorious end. God bless you. You have a wonderful Sunday. And don't give up our hope of the return of Jesus is at hand and soon the trump shall sound will you hear it and respond is the question you have to prepare yourself for God bless you this has been a production of the GMFC studios God bless you